This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, guys and gals? Welcome back to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. This is your host, Asher Tolliver. Many of you are winding down your waterfowl seasons across the country, while many others are gearing up for spring snows. Today, I am joined by a guy I would consider a good friend. I've known him for several years now, but the crazy thing is, I've yet to shake his hand and meet him in person. The guy I'm talking about is Mr. Joey Vassallo of Midwest Flyways. Joey, what's up, man? Not too much, man. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. Absolutely. I think you've met every other member of the Dive Bomb Travel Squad, but somehow we've never crossed paths. That is exactly correct. You are the one person I have not met. <laughs> well, we'll make it happen soon enough. Um, yeah. You know, most of you, worried. most of you that, oh, that, thanks, man. That means a lot. I'm glad you're not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> most of you that follow along our social media channels, you know that we've got like six members that travel all over North America, bouncing from one place to another between mid-August and early spring. Uh, we assign different personnel for different trips that kind of makes the most sense uh, logistically and where everybody's located, where they're going. And it just hasn't lined up for us to uh, cross paths yet, but it will. Yeah. It will. No, I, I was starting to feel like you didn't want to ever meet me no, in person, but no, you know. We're going to make it happen. Now, <laughs> for the state of Minnesota, the the curtains have fallen on your um, your duck and, and goose seasons. Uh, it's been a couple weeks now, right? Yep. No, our, our goose season in the central part of Minnesota closed on, I think, the 1st or the 2nd of January. The south zone just closed for geese like two or three days ago. And then our ducks closed uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. Oh, so, so ducks been have been out for a, a minute. I mean, y'all probably yeah. got your ducks. Your be best push of ducks probably came after season was long gone. Yep. Yep. They came about December 20th. That sounds about right. So. It'll be the same way here in Arkansas. Um, and I get it. You know, they, the, you know, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, they give the parameters, the dates, uh, the start and end, you know, for when you can start it, when you can end it. And you, you know, for Arkansas, for example, you know, they leave it up to Arkansas Game and Fish to pick the 60 days, how they want to break down the splits. They say, you know, you can operate in between this window, but you've got to be done by this time, which is typically the last Sunday in January for us. And we always have the majority of our birds and, you know, in early February and they just, they're thick, man. And, uh, so I, I totally get it, man. It's a, it's it's a shame, but I understand, you know, why they're doing protecting the population. They're starting to pair up, and uh, you know, they're just doing what's best for the uh, future of waterfowling. Now, what what are you what are you doing right now? What do you got going on? Well, right now I'm down in Warica, Oklahoma, to extend my season a little bit, make a little bit of money, and shoot some ducks on cattle ponds for uh, Stewart Ranch Outfitters down in Oklahoma. Okay, so you got down there um, yesterday, is that right? I know you left a couple days ago. You stopped by, you went and saw our friend Bobby Guy in Kansas, uh -huh. made a little pit stop, shot some geese, yep. and then you made your way down there. Have you actually run a hunt yet? No, I just got here about, I don't know, 45 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, so you like literally just got there. I literally just, so you walked here, in, yeah. you're like, what's up guys, Joey. Nice to meet you guys. Um, 
I'm going to dip real quick. I'm going to hop on this podcast with Asher, uh, but I'll get back to you. Pretty much. Yep. I didn't name drop, but I said I had a phone call for about a Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not important enough to, to do that anyway. It wouldn't, oh. have, it wouldn't have carried any weight. So, um, oh, you on. didn't hurt yourself at all. Make sure you tell those guys at, at Stewart Ranch. I said, hello, we've actually never been there. Um, but I have talked to them a bit through social media. Seems like a, an awesome operation. Really cool guys. Make sure you tell them, um, that I said, hello. I will. I will. All right. So let's go back quickly. Minnesota scale of one to 10. How would you rate the quality of, of your goose hunting this season or, or where you travel to not, you don't necessarily have to stick to Minnesota. I know you kind of dabble, um, you know, a little bit West. Um, but this season, what, what do you think? You know, uh, I'll start in Minnesota cause that's where I start my season. Um, well actually I started in North Dakota. I started, uh, the week after opener. So I think it was August 22nd when I started goose hunting. It was rough out there. Very hard to kill them. They were just so spread out. And then, uh, early season in Minnesota is always phenomenal. We usually kill quite a few honkers. We have, uh, it's like an early harvest season so we can kill five apiece and they are munching on grass. So we shoot a lot of migrators and they're from all over the country. You know, we shoot ants from Oklahoma, Nebraska, Illinois, North Dakota, the, the birds come from all over. So it's a lot of really fun hunting. Uh, this year it was hot for about two weeks and then it slowed down a little bit and, uh, it was really tough to kill them the rest of the season. We still scratch quite a few, but you know, it was way lower than other years yeah. for sure. You for know, geese. we were out there, um, middle of September, we hunted with Graham, uh, yeah. maxed out. You guys beat the yeah, we, we smoked them, man. We had a an, an awesome hunt there. Um, and he said, you know, historically, that's that's kind of their their window. That's when they, you know, they put up some big numbers. But, uh, you know, I talked to Graham quite a lot. We're pretty close with those guys. And, you know, mm-hmm. like like a lot of folks have said, man, he said it's been it's been tough. It's been a you know, it's been an unusual year. And, you know, they've. They've had to work for them. Ducks and geese both, you know, been very unpredictable. You know, stale weather patterns, I think, have led to an unusual migration that have probably benefited some guys in, in certain areas and probably hurt, you know, others. I mean, I guess all you can do is take what Mother Nature uh, gives you and give it your best oh, effort, know. you know? Yeah. La Nina this year definitely didn't help us out up north. So Canada, Canada was still... 38 degrees overnight in november and so we never got that big push of geese that we normally get and so that was really hard for us we were playing around with the same still you know six thousand birds since right. september now so i guess tough. uh how about duck hunting you know one to ten how, how was the quality ten. of your duck a ten this year's duck hunting was probably the best i've seen in 10 years is that right it was stupid. Now, did I have to travel everywhere to shoot them? Yes. But we killed limits of canvas backs, bluebills, you know, blackjacks. We killed so many mallards, widgeon, pintail this year. It was okay, so you were getting in some pretty good diver action. Yes. Yep. That Is that was a lot of fun. something you're pretty passionate about? You know, 
um, I used to be pretty passionate about it. And now I really like to focus on the ducks that respond to calls. So mallards, sure. you know, but I will never turn down a canvas back hunt ever. So Minnesota is pretty well known. Up. That's what I grew up doing. Was, that's how I got started hunting was chasing divers on minnow ponds, man. We didn't even, we didn't set out decoys. We didn't have blinds. I was a kid. I had a, my little single shot 20 gauge and I would sit on a levee and burn through a box of shells to try to kill a, you know, a limit of ruddy ducks and scop. And I tell you what, when you shoot those things, it's like they've got body armor when they're on the water, dude. Oh. Like it's a done deal. If, if they hit the water and they're diving, like forget about it. Just go ahead and get ready yeah. for the next, uh, <laughs> for the next bunch to come over. Cause with a single shot, 20 gauge, and you got a freaking ruddy duck diving on you, it's like, yeah, you, you have no chance. Um, no. I, I think they would rather, even if they could fly away, I think they'd rather they'd rather pop up and then like right when you get ready to shoot, they just go back underwater and you're like looking everywhere for them. But uh, man, I had a blast chasing those things. That's what I grew up doing. I mean, it was really, it was like, oh, yeah. dove, it was like glorified dove hunting. Um, yep. I've never done the whole like big, you know, lines and big water sets, open water divers. Um, you know, I'll be honest, it, it doesn't sound like something that I would be like super fired up about, but I would definitely love to get on like a really, really good one. Like a, you know, just a good quality diver shoot, nice mixed bag, some canvas bags, some redheads, some buffle heads, um, yep. you know, some, some ringers, uh, that, that does sound like a lot of fun. Just, just burning some shells, shooting them on the deck, um. Yeah. I'd like to do that. I don't think it's something I'd like be super fired up to do like regularly, no. but it sounds, no. it sounds fun and it looks fun when it, well, when it comes together. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It is. Well, the, the shitty part about canvas bats and divers is they really play well when the weather's just awful. Uh-huh. And so if you're really passionate about it, you're going out on the worst days of the year when right. you have rolling waves right. and you're scared, you're scared if you don't have the proper boat and okay. you know, I don't and I don't, but I'm crazy. So I still go out there and do it every once in a while, but it is pretty fun to get out on big water. If you're on solid land and watch them come out from the middle of the lake, you can watch them raft out there by the thousands about a mile out. And then they just slowly pick up in groups of 10 to 40 and, you know, cruise into your decoys. And it's, it's quite the sight to see. I bet you I do about one or two of those a year and they're pretty special. I always like to do it around Halloween weekend. It's pretty fun. How big are those floater spreads that you're running for those? Well, that's the thing. This year was probably one of the bigger ones that I threw. We threw out uh, six, dozen, six dozen F1 mallards because there's a lot of migrating mallards okay. at that time of year, too. And I think we ran four dozen diver decoys and three dozen Canadas. Now, are you getting out in a – you got a layout boat with a tender boat, or are you hunting these from, like, the no. bank? <laughs> No, we're hunting them from, there's like these cattail islands in okay. this specific lake that I'm hunting. Uh, it's about three to five feet deep of hard, solid clay. Gotcha. And so it's, it's a piece of cake. It's really easy. Going back to the weather, it sounds like w- with the divers, it's, I was, we were in Alaska and we, you know, talked to Charlie Somerville and Jack Nelson about hunting on St. Paul Island for, um, you know, trophy sea ducks, king eiders, Pacific eiders. Uh, you know, old squall, and they they say the action is hot when it's nasty. When you when you're riding the waves in the zodiac and going up and down, like that's when it's good. But when you're out there and it's like calm and you're not riding 
riding the waves and the wind's not blowing and it's not spitting, it's that's when you have your worst days. You know, they get fired up whenever it's nasty because they know that it, the king eider hunting is going to be on. So, you know, it sounds kind of similar to those divers. And I even think back hunting these minnow ponds in Lone Oak, Arkansas, some of the best days I've got pictures in my office here. And I got some pictures as a little fella, you know, eight, seven, eight, mm. nine years old. And dang near every one of these, I've only got like four of them. But as I look around, a very common theme is it looks pretty gnarly. Um, yeah. I, I, there's not a lot of sunshine in these pictures, you know, now that I'm thinking about, and then when I think about some of uh, these, these really good hunts I had as, as a kid that were really good, I think about them and I'm like, you know what, they, it was like nasty wind blowing really hard, spitting rain. Uh, some days we, you know, we, we had some ice, um, you know, I remember some of the, the drives getting to these places. So now that I think about it, man, those divers are some crazy bastards, you know, cause the mallards, here at home like we want we want sunshine man like give us a little north wind give us some sunshine but those divers you know those crazy bastards they 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 get wild whenever the weather gets wild and you know why i think it is because you know it's it churns everything up you know maybe yeah yeah exactly yep gets everything Mm -hmm. it's kind of makes me think of you know i go fishing um down in louisiana on the coast and you know when the tide really, really gets to ripping, either incoming or outgoing tide, that's when you catch your redfish. You get at a cut of a pond or where it's draining, and that's when you really start wearing them out. But when that tide goes slack, they stop biting. I know I'm comparing apples to oranges here, but similar type of deal. You know, that tide is pushing that bait around. It's getting it disoriented. The fish go into a frenzy. And I think there's probably something to be said about these, these um, you know, divers and and um, their excitement levels whenever the the weather gets nasty. Oh, I guarantee you they're very closely related. And I sure don't know much you know. about them, but I, I don't <laughs> think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. I mean, they said one day it was so bad out there, they were riding those Zodiacs. I mean, they're just going up and down in the waves. And sometimes the waves are so big, you've got to wait for the wave to like go down back down for you to shoot because like the – the wave is basically covering up the bird because these things are flying, you know, oh across. They're on the deck. Well, this one dude, <laughs> this client comes up and he blows out the front, you know, the front um, part of that Zodiac with his shotgun, man. <laughs> he went up onto a wave to shoot at a King Eider and he blew out the front chamber of that freaking Zodiac, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you talk about getting a little bit sketched. Thankfully, I believe those things they've got multiple chambers and they you know they're we're safely able to get back but that just tells you what kind of conditions that you're rocking in out there now joey tell me a little bit about your your waterfowl background i kind of mentioned how i got going and and how that started dad set us on mental pond Mm -hmm. levees and obviously i'm pretty passionate about i love it all but you know ducks will always have my heart especially mallard ducks who got you started on this this addiction and and um what style of hunting were you doing in the beginning? So my dad owned a, him. My dad owned a construction company back in the day, and he had some partners out from Western Minnesota, and they all grew up hunting. My dad didn't even start hunting until he was twenty-seven, and these guys were so obsessed with hunting that my dad was like, "Okay, in order to get you guys to focus on construction, let's build a lodge. Let's get it out of the way in the fall so you can work the rest of the year, and you're not worried about hunting." Okay. And so these guys. These guys were 
phenomenal callers. I mean, like just crazy. They would skip school every day to go hunt with Tim Grounds in Illinois at like 13 years old. And so when these guys started working for my dad, uh, they'd invite Tim Grounds out to the lodge. And Tim Grounds would always be at our at our lodge, apparently. But this is before I was born. Okay. And, uh, you know, and this is out in Lac Parle. This is actually Graham's Lodge. So my dad built the lodge that Graham hosts clients in in is Western right? Minnesota. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, I stayed in but, the lodge. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's a nice place. I like that area a lot too. But you know, I grew up shooting ducks like teal, like early season, just because I was so young. I bet you I started going hunting with my dad when I was about two years old. Apparently, I'd cry every time he didn't take me with him for the weekend. And then, uh, you know, I started shooting a shotgun at like six, and. It was mostly teal and mallards, and then when it got cold out, he wouldn't take me anymore. And then I didn't really get into it hard until I was about 15 for myself, and that's when he stopped waterfowling. Okay. And, you know, and then I just, I would go out in my backyard and shoot ducks before and after school every day, and I just was smitten, like just absolutely smitten. Ducks are my favorite by far. I should have known that because your Instagram handle is more ducks, please. <laughs> yep yep no it's i i, I always need more asher i need no, I more do too. i do too i i can never get tired of them. you know i've i've told this story before maybe even told on this podcast before but when we go on trips and i'm putting the stories together you know on instagram mm-hmm. I, I don't have any issues holding my phone literally videoing the whole thing honkers lessers specs mm-hmm. Whatever it is, even widgeon for that matter, pintail. Mm. But you get me a big wad of mallards that start acting crazy, and I have a very, very difficult time hold, keeping that phone up and not reaching for the Benelli. Oh, my God. I find out real quick where my heart is whenever I'm videoing <laughs> on that phone <laughs> and what makes me want to put that thing down. Um, oh, and it is sure. a big group of mallards. I mean, if if we've got enough people where we know there's you know five or six birds or five or six people or seven or eight people, I don't, they're going, they're going to die. They're going to get killed. But if, (laughs) if, you know, we've got four or five or six people and there's like 50 doing it, I'm like, all right, I got to get in on this. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing with Midwest flyways. Asher is I'm like the hunter of our group. Like I, I am so passionate about killing birds. Doesn't matter. But when there's, you know, we have a guy, Connor, he does all of our cinematographies of an amazing editor, photographer, videographer. He makes us look so good on camera. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he's normally filming so I can focus on the hunt. Sure. But when I go out hunting now, everyone wants to watch vlogs. That's right. You know, the video, everyone wants to watch that. So now I hunt way more than Cal and Connor do the other two of Midwest flyways. So right. they're like, Joe, you need to wear a GoPro on your head. And I can't tell you how many times where I see a big flock of mallards coming in and I'm just like, F it. I'm just going to rip into these things. I don't care if we're recording or not. I need to do this for me. I I don't care about anyone else. I need to get mine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But when it comes to geese, I don't really care. And I make sure that I'm filming no matter what. You you spoke briefly on, you know, callers and the guys that were working for your dad. Uh, yeah, you're advanced on a call. Um, you have 
how-to videos on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. Who taught you how to call? So that's the that's the funny part. No one did. So I, my dad had all these great guys, like they're mouth callers. Even they won state contests using just their mouths. And so I called them once we, right before we started the YouTube channel about four years ago. And I, I called everyone that I knew. I went into my dad's old address book and I called every single person. They're like, man, I'm too busy, man. I don't waterfowl hunt anymore. Just like call Tim Grounds. You know, so I called Tim Grounds. He's like, hey, buy my DVD. And I'm like, okay. And it didn't teach me anything. So I'm like, shit. So then I went to YouTube and I all the calling videos that I saw were just absolute garbage and they didn't teach me anything. So then I had to kind of figure it out for myself. And once I figured it out, then I learned how to teach other people how to do it because I was teaching. I think I, at that time, I was taking about 35 to 40 people out a year for their first time duck and goose hunting. Uh -huh. So I'm like just teaching them how to do everything. And it's like, wow, okay, I feel like I'm a pretty good teacher at this now. And I didn't learn anything from YouTube. And I tried desperately, Asher, so hard. I'll tell and you what, I've, like, I've learned. I've, I've uh, watched your videos and done some stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm an Arkansas guy, like to the core. Um, yeah, I, I'm serviceable on a goose call, but that's not what I grew up doing. I'm, I can blow a duck call, I can blow a spec call, um, and sure. serviceable. You know, if I'm on my own, uh, it'll be fine. We're gonna kill them, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna show out. Nothing's gonna be fancy. Um, you know, so I'm always constantly trying to get more advanced, especially as much as we travel, as much as we chase them. And I've, I've watched your For videos. Sure. I've watched a lot of your videos. I think they're, they're broken down really, really well, especially compared to a lot of the others, uh, out there. So kudos. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. No, it put a lot of, it took me about an hour and a half a day for about a year and a half to get good on a goose call. And let me tell you, it was not pretty. And so I, I just want to help other people not go through the same trial and error that I went through. Oh God, it was awful. And I have, rec I have videos of myself, like a progress reports and it, they are terrible. Do you it's have not, your calls handy? I do have my calls handy. Yeah. Give us a, give us a little honker sequence, Joey. Give us a, uh, you know, you 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 hit them on the corner. You got their attention, sucking them in. We'll say like not total late season, so we're not we're not going um, you know radio silent on them, um, but not early season where we're we're confident enough to scream at them. Just kind of midway through the year, the birds are kind of liking what you're giving them. Give us a little uh, you know, give us a little, a little Minnesota honker sequence. All right, I'll. Uh... I'll give you a little rendition of the hiccup then. How about that? That sounds great. All right. I'm probably going to blow out the speaker, so probably in advance. How's that? That sounded great, man. Thank you. Well, thank you. Very good, man. Let's. We briefly mentioned it. Let's talk about Midwest Flyways. Uh, when was when was Midwest Flyways founded, and why was it created? Uh, it got started. I think this is our fourth year doing it, and uh, it's funny how it started actually because uh, our videographer and I went to high school together, and we hated each other in high school, and he's always been. 
he's just a very different guy than me, but we played soccer together as well. And we hated each other in high school. So then I took my buddy Cal out for his first time seven or eight years ago. And he instantly fell in love with him. He's a businessman, you know? And so uh-huh. he's thinking, dude, we can make some really cool shit. We should make some videos. I'm like, okay, how? He's like, we got to use Connor. And I'm like, oh my God, no. So, <laughs> and uh, he said the same thing to Connor. He said the same thing. I don't want to do it with Joe. So we all met up. We mended our fences, you know, like was Connor a waterfowl hunter? No, he's he used to like go on woody holes early yeah, season. But but not really hardcore or anything like that. No, not hardcore or anything like that. And he owns a media company outside of Midwest Flyways. That's his full time job is filming elk and whitetail. Gotcha, gotcha. He's phenomenal, Asher. He's incredible. So he uh so we just started we started it in February. So obviously no seasons are open in Minnesota. So we're like, okay, what do we do? And so we were just trying to put out content. And so we did videos like on how to Texas rig your own decoys and how to blow a duck call, how to blow a goose call, all that jazz. And that's kind of how Midwest Flyway started. And then that next, that next duck opener, one of our videos just blew up and uh, Connor made an unbelievable video. And I mean, we, I think we crushed a, five or six man limit of brown ducks of course but you know and that's just we all just got this insane amount of confidence like we can do this let's do it uh-huh so that's kind of how midwest flyways started awesome what uh what are your long-term goals for midwest flyways you know i i really like what i do for work and i i'm i own a construction company so i'm a general contractor and I really like doing that, but I would love to do construction for six months out of the year and hunt for six months out of the year. Sure. That sounds pretty damn fun to me. Yeah. And, you know, we have a podcast as well. We have all this other stuff. And I just, I love talking about birds. I love hunting birds. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with it. It's, it's actually unhealthy at this point. You're a bird nerd. So, yeah. I'm a bird nerd. Yeah. It's bad. That's okay. I call it's forest. Bad. I call forest and call bird nerds. Yeah, they really Forrest. are. He's such a bird nerd. Love him. Well, and, that, and I, that's why him and I get along so well, is because we can just nerd out together. Absolutely. What a great you know eight hours is, go by. No, oh, my God, he's, he's phenomenal. Awesome. But I, to answer your question, what's the goal with Midwest Flyways? I guess to turn it into a career of some sort. Don't know exactly how that's going to happen yet, but you know. Whatever, we're in the whatever door opens yeah possible. you just don't know yeah you don't you don't have yourself limited by you know having to stick to a certain agenda you say hey we, we'll do this thing keep some momentum and then if a door opens somewhere uh to take it and run with it right yeah exactly I think that's great let's do a quick a hot seat there. session all right are you ready i'm ready if COVID hadn't come along, who would have won the World Goose Calling Championship in Easton this year? That's a really good question. Um, between Kyle and Trevor Shanahan, you know, Kyle was on a two-year streak, so I'd have to go with Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, and Kyle, you yeah. know, he broke. But Trevor's, he broke. Trevor's, you know, going for his three-peat, yeah. and then Kyle would be going for his three-peat. Um, you know, we won't get into too much more detail, but. I'm sure you've seen it on the dive bomb calling page, but we, uh, we got, a, we got a little something yeah. that we're working on. So, uh, we'll have, we'll have some stuff at stake and it's going to be enough to, to draw the big guns out. So, um, regardless COVID or not, we're going to, 
we're going to get something going. Who's the best? Yeah, I'm, who's I'm the uh, that. who's the best live goose caller on the planet right now? You know, um, I'm going off of personal experience of who I've heard call, and Hunter Grounds is absolutely the goat. He's incredible. But I think his live stuff is a little too fast. I mean, he's like seriously one of he's probably one of the best callers of all time for uh-huh. sure. But um, I've heard I've hunted with Scott Trinan a couple of times now, and that guy can do some disgusting noises on a goose mm-hmm. call. Disgusting. And then Mike Benjamin's amazing. I'd say it's probably. Say. I was think, gonna say I think there's a strong strong case for Mike. He's so good, dude. He's he's disgusting, Asher. He's so, so good. I had the privilege of hunting so with him good. in in Texas, and although it wasn't honker style, um, that's his bread and butter. Just seeing his talent, um, and hearing it, he's dude. He's freaking good. He's well, and so he's just good. such a humble individual yes, too. Great he's, he's really enjoyable to be around. Really enjoyable Definitely. to be around. Absolutely. So it's probably in between Scott Trinan and Mike Benjamin. Yeah. I would, I would say so. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, who's the most influential person in the waterfowl industry right now? Oh, that's Bobby guy. Hands down. Absolutely. I, you know, I've spent, I've had the great fortune of collaborating with Bobby on his channel and our channel. And every time I hang out with that guy, I feel like I've known him for 20, 30 years. And he is just a stud of a human being. I mean, just, I was there with Cody, Cade, and Ryan Pettis a week and a half ago or whatever that was. And he's running a full-on guide service. That thing is so well-oiled. And then he's still hanging out with his clients for five, six hours. I've never seen that from another guide service. Most of them are are just like, let me, give me my space, give me my time, give me my break. And Bobby's like, hey, man, you're here, you're hunting with me. We're going to hang out. We're going to do our thing. Our, Our guys said the exact same thing, man. That one fell. I had an opportunity to stay home after Christmas for a couple more days uh, with the kids or be gone for New Year's, and I chose to stay home for Christmas. I hate I missed that one, especially because everybody was kind of there. But, dude, all our guys said the exact same thing. They were like, man, Bobby is killing it. He's killing it, and he's just – the amount of messages that guy gets. and Because I've hunted with him five or six times now, and – his phone is just constantly going off and he does a pretty damn good job of responding to everyone. I think he has like, I don't know, 130,000 followers on Instagram. He's got 230,000 on YouTube and like he filled up his, uh, his entire season, his first season of having a guide service. And he's pretty good. You know, he's, he's probably going to expand it. I can only imagine he's going to expand it. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. No one, I don't think anyone could argue the fact that he's the most influential yeah. person. Hands down, hands down, not even close. People can no. say what they will. You know, people that's been doing it longer, OG, say what you will. There's nobody, not a person on the planet that has more influence in this industry right now than Bobby Guy. And the funny thing yeah. is, is like, you know, some of the people that don't like him, there's so many misconceptions. Like he, of the people that don't like him, if they hung out with him for an hour, they would be like, this guy's cool as shit. Like, this guy is awesome. But a lot of people, they don't want to give him a chance. Like, I don't like his videos. I don't like the way he hunts. It's like, dude, (laughs) 
this guy, he is a great guy. He's a great person. He's a great friend, husband. Um, the guy's got it going on. That's just all there is to it. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Jack Minor Mallard or a rivet band honker? Jack Minor Mallard without even a question. I'm from Minnesota, Asher. I've seen at least 30 of those die. They're not as special as people think. Yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't even... It'd be cool to see one. I've never never seen one die. Um, I think it'd oh, be really? cool, but a, a Jack Minor Mallard, my, uh, my best friend, his uncle, crunched one a couple years ago, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That is absolutely... <laughs> awesome especially doing it here in arkansas so yeah right. i'm right there with you no question wouldn't well, think twice about it but i don't know some of those well, your rochester fergus guys they'd be like dude give me that rivet band i've seen a ton of them screw a mallard you know right well i always i always talk about it this way honkers can be really really dumb and so can ducks of course yeah. too but if you see a guy with a bunch of honk if you see a guy with a lanyard full of honker bands you say wow that guy kills a lot of geese you know but you can band check a honker if you have a really solid field sure, like up sure. in fergus or in rochester you can band check honkers as they're landing right. and you can cherry pick bands if you want if you're fortunate enough and then you see a guy like rusty creasy who has a full lanyard of duck bands and you're like oh my god you are insane you know it's just duck bands are more special in my opinion i tell you the most impressive lanyards to me um and, and i think they're all cool i mean the guys that have a you know a bunch of honkers or you know a bunch of ducks i think that's super cool but man i tell you the lanyards that are sweet are the ones that are like guys got honkers lessers mm-hmm. mallards like He's got a diver, a diver. He's got a Specs. He's got a Snow. He's got a Ross. You know, he's got mm-hmm. a little, uh, you know, Brant Tars. These guys that travel around and their lanyards got all these different size bands. You know, it's not just loaded oh, down yeah. with. I don't know what the size on the honkers are. I think the snows are like a seven B or something. But, um, you know, it's cool. All of them are cool. I mean, there's there's there is a level of respect whether you're target rich or not, when somebody pulls that thing out of that blonde bag and you hear that, you know, you hear that very distinct sound. uh, There is a certain level (laughs) of like, okay, you know, all right, here we right on. Um, But when you see one, a lanyard that is, is just littered with variety. That's pretty cool. I've seen, you know, there's not a whole lot of them uh, that are just, you know, specs and ducks and snow it's a, a lot of them are the guys that you know huge guides grind up and down the flyway starting canada finishing canada with snows you know starting canada september one they work their way down through the central flyway kill their specs lessers ducks you know then they go to arkansas and then they chase them back up through the dakotas into canada in the spring and they're just got all these different types of bands but those are my favorite my my favorite oh, lanyards, for sure. those, those variety lanyards. But don't get me wrong, I don't. I would never turn my nose up to any of them. Um, they're all cool when right. somebody pulls one out and they've got big time bling. But man, when you see somebody with all those different sizes, you're like, all right, this is pretty cool. Well, you know, a lot of different. Well, I was just uh, earlier this season. It was early season, and I was up in uh, northern Minnesota, and there's a lot of bands up there, and we're scouting this field. And this other truck was right there, and they said they had permission on it too. So we're like, okay, how many people do you have with you? We just hunted together, standing corn hide, silage, 
easy hide. We're going to kill birds no matter what. Let's not fight over them type of a deal. And so this guy comes out and he's like, I don't know, 58. And he has a, a bunch of young kids with him. I think he has his grandchildren or something. Uh-huh. And his lanyard had some of the coolest bands I've ever seen. He had the old Snap-on A-Vice yeah. Goose bands. Those are bad OG, ass. man. OG. He said most of them were shot between 88 to 93. No doubt. That's sick. It's so That's cool, so man. Cool. I've got a buddy, his yeah. grandfather, he did a bunch of guiding in the, the glory days of, you know, Bahamita, and he just had lanyard full of them, and he gave them to my best friend. I mean, he's got them in a, in a glass case, and it's really cool with all, you know, lots of certificates and, and uh, old duck stamps, and, but I was like, man, as much as I'd be scared for something to happen to it, I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. My grand, you know, my grandfather gave me a rope of duck bands. I would have a hard time not wearing them. And he's like, I didn't oh, kill yeah. them. And I was like, I know, but your grandpa did. And it's just such a cool story when somebody asks and you be, you could just tell them about your mm-hmm. grandfather and his legacy. But I get the, the, the side of, well, I didn't kill them. But I mean, hell, a lot of the, a lot of these bands we didn't kill you know a lot of them are draw bands that we might not necessarily yeah. killed a lot of them are stripped bands you know guides that are really really yep. good at stripping them you know people don't even know that a band was killed so i i think it would be cool but i, I understand it one for the fear of possibly losing it getting it you know stolen something happening to it um and also just kind of wanting to build his own so it, it, it does look cool in that glass case but i'm gonna be honest i'd oh, probably, yeah, I'd probably sure. have that thing around my neck but uh I got oh, one yeah. last question for you. This one's going to be pretty tough. Are you okay? Ready? Are you ready? I think so. Red Bull or rain? <laughs> that's that's not a tough. I'm just. I'm just that's kidding. not even a tough. I was just trying to get you uh, built up, but don't don't give me the wrong answer here, please. Uh, I'm going to go Red Bull. Thank you. Let's go. Not even question. I don't. I don't understand this like new wave of like, oh my workout. Gosh, workout, and they're like, "Well, it's got essential B vitamins, it's got creatine." <laughs> Give me it's a like, break. Right. You're drinking right, an buddy. energy drink, dude. You're drinking something that turns your stomach upside down. Oh, don't even man. play. I'm all about. Don't even play. You know, it's funny. All oh. our guys, they all we've got a group text, and they all go to the gas station, grab their little energy drink, and everybody always gets all this you know, super off the wall stuff, you know, Nick, he likes the <laughs> rains and rock stars and uh, K and dream sickle, you know, all these different goofy flavors. I'm like, man, forget all that. Give me the one that started it all. Well, I don't know if they started all monster might've been before him. I don't know. Somebody don't fact, fact check me on that. I, I don't know. I have to look, look it up. All right. You're officially <laughs> off the hot seat. That wasn't so bad. Was it? No, nah, that wasn't bad at all. all. Right, you asked all me right. some pretty easy questions, yeah. actually. So. Yeah. Um, one thing I was thinking about um, before we move on quickly, going back to the calling contest uh, questions. Yeah. Have you ever done any contest stuff? I've never competed myself. Uh, I've judged quite a few at this point, though. Uh, what, why are you – do you just – you don't want to compete? Why do you – why don't you throw your hat in You know, in the it's a – it's a, it's a, it's definitely in part of nervousness, but at the same time, when I took back, when I got good at goose calling, I had, you know, I had a guy, Nick Johnson, teach me how to do the quick spit uh-huh. one note on the goose call. And he's like, 
dude, why are you here? Why are you asking me to teach you how to goose call? I was like, well, dude, I want to learn how to get better. He's like, you should be competing. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And he's like, well, you need to come to a contest with me. I love the atmosphere of calling contests. And I love meeting all the people. And I love bird nerding out and having beers with people who hunt from all over the country. Mm-hmm. You know, I love hearing that stuff. But there's not something inside of me that screams, hey, you need to do that. And, sure. I, and I know some of it's a part of nervousness. But at the same time, I don't feel it's a lot of it's a big dick contest. Sure. And I, mean, I don't really feel the need. But I was just hunting with Cody Stokes. And he's like, dude, you need to compete. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll put together a, a routine. I'll for sure do meat yeah, duck calling should. this year. I'll for sure do meat duck calling. I love that. It, I love that contest. And uh, I'll put my hat in the ring for uh, for uh, for a uh, goose open. You should, you know. And once you did it, you know, you might find out that you, you know, actually enjoyed it more than than you thought, or you might say, yeah, you know, this just isn't for me. Um, but at least you yeah. got there and competed, and you, you know, you've worked hard to get to where you're at. Um, so, I mean, no harm. You know, well, I appreciate I think, I think that, man. Good. Yeah, you should do that. Now, you guys have a podcast called uh, Midwest Flyways Uncensored. Yep. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that podcast. What's up with the uncensored part? You, you guys talking about some filthy stuff in there or what? It gets a little naughty sometimes, for sure. <laughs> it gets a little naughty. But, uh, you know, I was, I was guiding at Feet Down Waterfowl up in Fergus Falls, and I had a nine-year-old next to me who was in town for a hockey tournament they booked last second him and his dad and we just absolutely i think we shot 20 geese out of one flock and i just screamed at the top of my lungs i was like fuck yeah (laughs) and and i'm like oh my god there's a nine-year-old next to me and i'm like i am so sorry that i just swore in front of your son he's like it's okay he's heard worse he knows we're in the goose pit so he knows just not to repeat it this is what happens when we're hunting and i'm like something just clicks in my head i'm like damn Cause I, I have never been a fan of podcasts in general uh-huh. and I'm just like, okay, everyone's just plugging a certain product. It's not genuine. It's right. not authentic. People are just, you know, just kissing ass sure. everywhere they go. And it's, it's just not, it's not real. Just a and big ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, like yeah. these guys are so boring. First of all, and this, this is like five years ago. I was thinking this, these guys are so boring. I can't stand it. We could do something better. And it's like, okay, as long as we label as uncensored as explicit, they know what they're getting into. And that's what made us want to start this podcast. And it's actually taken off really well. It's, we've gotten some amazing feedback on it. It's a lot of fun to do as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm sure sure you're having fun doing your podcast. Yeah, I enjoy them. My favorite part about them is just, uh, you know, getting to know, even though most of these guys like yourself, you know, we've, we've spoken before and we kind of know each other, but I kind of like learning some background and some, some things that guys like and things they don't like and getting to know them just a little bit better. You know, after you have a conversation, you know, and grill somebody for an hour, you just kind of learn some stuff about them that you probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. So I think that's probably my favorite part about it is uh, just learning things uh, from people that maybe I didn't expect or, or something I didn't know. I like that. I like learning, um, getting deeper uh, with certain individuals that I've, I've known on, on a more of an outer 
superficial level. Uh, favorite guest that you've ever had on your podcast? You know, uh, that's not really a hard one. I've had some really good guests on our podcast. Um, but two of my favorites was uh, the Derek Helms podcast. That guy is an absolute riot and he's just like a really good dude. And he's like, he's so much so an extrovert. He has no problem just saying what's on his mind. And that's really, really fun. And uh, we asked him a question Have you ever shit yourself in the blind? And he just went <laughs> off on a story. He went off on a story without even an ounce of hesitation and told oh, this man, hilarious story of him shitting himself in his waders. Oh, my God. And I, he's so and talented, I just, man. Oh, my God. He's incredible. His video is incredible. Is, I love his style. Yeah. He has a very specific style of like old school versus new school and he blends them together perfectly. I love it. Definitely. He's very good. And then, but my all time favorite is for sure. When I had Forrest and Kyle on Forrest Carpenter and Kyle mm-hmm. Jones, like I've never had a podcast go over an hour and we did two hours with those guys <laughs> and it was just incredible and it's because forrest and kyle are such bird nerds and they're such good storytellers i just nerded out and got lost it was bad it was bad <laughs> they had to wake up early and hunt i had to wake up early and hunt and we still just did it into the night you know it was dumb yeah. but we still did it you so just, it, and it was to a worth point it. where you can't stop you're like man this thing is rolling this is awesome we got to keep this well, going because it's real and it's authentic and let's 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 run with it yeah no you can't you can't stop you can't stop stuff like that you know absolutely you gotta let not. it go absolutely no so, you mentioned um briefly you said you had guided at um you were at feet down what was tyler guiding up there as well does he got up there some before he was with graham tyler um tyler Owney? yeah 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 no he he's been up that's how i met tyler and he told me he did some guiding for graham uh but he so i'm friends with connor lausch the owner of feet down and joe heinz and trent toso all those guys and uh you know we they invited me up to do a video and we did a video shot an unbelievable hunt up there it was crazy and uh then he's like hey i know you're a carpenter i know you and cal are carpenters could you help us build a pit that's going to last in this one field and so we went up there in the summer and tyler was just an absolute workhorse he was like one of the few people who actually put in work with cal and i so so he's he's a really good dude man i enjoyed tyler he worked very hard the days that we were in minnesota and he was a a good personality uh, a a good Mm -hmm. guy to be around uh we had a lot of fun now uh before i let you run we're i don't know 48 minutes deep and this has been a lot of fun i've got to grill you a little bit about dive bomb industries what what's your favorite dive bomb industries product you know i'm like i said before i'm a i'm a big mallard hunter and that is my bread and butter mallards over water is my favorite and so far you know i i don't have any of the bags like the dry bags or anything yet but i love the goose socks those were an absolute game changer along with the black and whites. I mean, game changer, Asher. I did some weird stuff in my permanent spread that I leave up all of December. Mm-hmm. And I did just, just did some weird stuff. And I noticed <laughs> that conkers were landing with the black and whites or the socks every single time. Wow. And so I started mixing that up. And it's all traffic, mind you. It's not an X field. So I just leave it up all year and I get, uh-huh. my, get in my A-frame that I leave all of December 
And you get in there, geese to the black and whites, and they want to land with the black and whites. If it's windy, they land with the socks. So I was just very intrigued by that, and I always incorporated those two into my spread since you guys came out with them. But by far, my favorite are the F1 Mallards. I love, I love those things, man. The response has been Couple. so strong for the first oh. season of those things. Well, they're so they're so affordable, too. You can really bulk up on a spread. It's huge. I love the aesthetics of them. We were, I was hunting this morning and a big green head came and sat down about 15 yards behind one of them. And I just kind of had them lined up and I was looking at them and I was like, man, that, you know, that big high head just kind of sitting up, mm-hmm. nice posture. And they were sitting in like the exact same position. It was, I was just fun hunting at home. There was no cameras. Um, but I was like, damn it. It like, I don't want to be working today, but I sure would like to have a camera on this thing right now because I would love love to post this on Instagram, this shot that I've got that I just took in my head. And it was so just awesome seeing that pose. And I've loved that pose. I love the skimmer pose, but that that high head Drake, damn it. I just, I love that decoy. It looks good. It looks good. You know, and speaking of the F1 Mallards and giving, giving each other shit, why didn't you guys flock those greenhead heads? What's up with that? Oh, don't you worry. They're coming. <laughs> They're coming? You got to you gotta crawl before you can walk, man. They're coming, Joey. Okay. Don't you worry, buddy. Okay. <laughs> okay. You, you know, you got, a lot of, you got a lot of stuff out there out in the ether. You got oh, yeah. flock mallard heads coming. Oh, you yeah. got goose floaters coming. Guess Holy what, Ash? Silhouettes. Oh, my God. Yeah, flags, blinds. We got does your wife does your wife just hate you for working twenty four seven or what? Because um, I feel like you guys are just always working now. We are. I don't know how you do it. We are, but you got to remember, um, we've been together thirteen years. I played for ten years, and I met her in college. So for ten years, I was gone almost eight months out of the year every single year that's it's all we've ever known is being apart from one another i mean the 13 years that we've been together realistically we've probably been together six of them five and a half six of them really if you factor in the amount of time that we've spent together she's so independent and it's it's all we know it's our lifestyle so actually i'm it's so much easier as much as we travel i mean i'm leaving again um Tuesday morning and I'm going to be gone for a while, but it's a lot different than leaving, you know, second week of February and coming home at the end of September. You know, I might leave for a week or 10 days, come home for three or four days, leave for three or four days, come home for five days. You know, that is so much easier just getting to come home, see your kids like baseball. I would leave and, and my son, when I would see him again, it was like a different child. And that was really? very, very difficult. I mean, that was the well, hardest part was um, missing out on things that I shouldn't have been missing, but stuff you just can't leave for in the middle of the season. So this life, it does seem crazy, especially from the outside. If somebody was to just jump into this at, you know, I'm 32, I'll be 33 in 14 days. If somebody was just to jump into this life as a 30-year-old and they've haven't traveled this much it could be very very stressful on a family but i am this is easy compared to what i I went from doing um it's it's all we've ever known so 
it works yeah, out great. And that. I try to strategically pick and choose, like kind of the reason I didn't see you in Kansas. I just, you know, I strategically chose, I, I wanted to be home the 26th and 27th after Christmas because New Year's these days, what is New Year's? Hell, we go to bed at damn 10 o'clock at night on right. for the last 10 years. You know, I mean, once you, if you're not single, um, you know, if you got, you're married, you got kids, you're putting the kids to bed, dude, I ain't staying up to watch a, a ball drop. But, you know, now if I was single yeah. and I was out and about and, you know, on the prowl, then, okay, that'd be one thing, <laughs> but I'm not, uh, you know, if I was Nick Costas and I, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just messing with you, Nick. Nick was probably 10 toes up by 830, you know, but, but I, I we like to give Nick a hard time, but, oh, yeah. um, yeah you know, New Year's is nothing to me anymore. So I was like, you know what? I need to, um, you know, got the kids Christmas. They got their presents. We visit our family. So we'll stay home a couple of days with the kids and then I'll just be gone for New Year's. Cause it, it's just a, it's just a new year. These, these days, it's not, yeah, I'm not counting down. And if I was home, I'd, you know, maybe kiss my wife the next morning and tell her happy new year, but we sure as hell ain't staying up till midnight to do it. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, just going back to your your question, it's um, it's all we've ever known, man. So well, I, I well, love it. I love traveling. I, dude, I get, I can't stay home that long. I, I think it would be stressful on our relationship if I wasn't traveling <laughs> because I get, I get stir crazy, man. If I've been home like a week this time of year and I'm seeing pics and people are out killing and. I know we could be outgrowing this brand or doing something to get better. It like eats me up um, because I know we could be doing something for this company to make this company better. Like I got to, we got to get back out there, boys. Like we, I know we're on a little break, but it's time to, it's time to work. Like this is grinding season, you know, because we're going to get to March and April and, don't get me wrong. We're dog ass tired right now. We've been going hard since the middle of August. We're tired. I mean, you guys are, dude, you guys are September was like the never ending month, bro. September was a very tough month uh, mentally, travel wise. It was a struggle. We there was not a lot of success, and I had never felt like I had hit an invisible wall more than once we got to the end of October. And somebody said, "Hey, are you?" Um, you ready for Arkansas waterfowl season, which is the third Saturday in November. I said, dude, I hit a brick wall before Halloween, like a week before Halloween. I care nothing about season getting here. All I want is just a little bit of a break, but we got recharged. The hunting got better and it got better and it got better. And you talk about that's what carries you through the season. Dude, September was tough and we were going hard, but once the hunting got really good, we started hitting them right, getting the content we were after on scheduled trips. That's when we started yeah. grooving, and it just makes it easier and easier to keep this thing rolling. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and here we are, January. You know, we're we're going to keep going for for a ways. You know, we've got some work to do. We've got uh, we've got plenty more birds to kill. But I mean, the borders don't open for Canada. You know, we're not going to be going back up there for snow geese. So I mean. We don't, we're probably not going to do a lot of traveling up north past Arkansas. Uh, You know, we'll hunt them in Arkansas some in February and we may make a trip or two up, you know, maybe two or three days, uh, but we're not going to chase them hard um, 
you know, in the upper Mississippi flyway in March or anything. We got spring specs in March out in, out in Oregon. But other than that, I mean, we're, we're, we've gone through the brunt of our schedule and, um, you know, hell we'll get to summer and, or spring whenever we finish and it'll be like, we're done. But then, you know, what's going to happen is like three weeks later, we're going to be like, man, can we hit that, that re that rewind button or can we hit that fast forward button to September again? You know, you know how it goes. It's always like that. Exactly. It's always yeah. like that. So well, in September is you know, so hard because the sun comes up so early and it sets oh, so late man. that by what the time you're done grind. scouting in the after, in the evening, it's just like shit. It's eleven thirty at night and we haven't gotten anything ready for tomorrow's time. Yes. This sucks. Dude, you are so right about that. Um such a grind. Late nights, early mornings. Um but it has been a great season. It really has. And we've grown so much. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. We're you so guys have blessed. been killing it this year. It's fun to watch, man. I love watching the dive bomb Instagram story. It is so much fun to see. Oh, I wonder where they are today. Yeah. Scotland, New yeah. Zealand, Wyoming, Oregon, California. Oh, they're in New York today. It's just like good lord. We try to have someone. I mean, we try to have someone somewhere at, at all times. That that really is the goal. With with we kind of split up our traveling and we strategically give guys breaks in the schedule. You know, I, I know when people's been yeah. out a while, they need to be with their family. <laughs> uh, maybe if one guy had to dip, you know, right after Thanksgiving or was gone all the way up till Thanksgiving, maybe we'll give that guy a couple extra days you know, home for Christmas or, uh, you know, the schedule is very, very strategic. A lot of people, they might not know that they might see just die bomb just goes and they just go wherever it's like, man, no, you, you don't realize most of these, these dates are planned. Um, many of them, you know, already scheduled for this fall. You know, a lot of these dates have been scheduled for this fall a year in advance. Most of them, right. um, anywhere from six to 10 months out, some even, you know, 12, 14 months out. So, uh, well, it is in, very, in very strategic I, logistically because you got to start thinking about expenses and um, what places you're going to hit. Like if we go out to West Texas, we can't just go out. I mean, we've got, you know, five or six outfitters we could go see out there. We can't just go out to West Texas and see Hunter Pickett at Final Descent. I certainly would. I love Hunter. He is awesome. But if we're going to yeah. go all the way out there, we need to – we need to cross some, you know, check some boxes while we're out there. We got to, you know, we need to stay out here for 10, 12 days and, and make right. it, make it really, really worthwhile coming out here. Let's get a lot out of this thing. Not just come out here for two or three days, shoot a few lessers because these trips are not just about going out and getting media. These, this is building and strengthening relationships, relationships with these people. Yep. That, and, and I try to tell, you know, Kate or, Kyle, guys that are new to traveling, I'm like, hey, the media is secondary. It's always secondary to the relationship and the outfitter that we are working with. You always have to keep that in mind because sometimes they'll go somewhere and they won't necessarily have a good hunt or a lot of good content. I'm like, guys, that's a bonus. That's the secondary. That's not why I schedule these trips. I have outfitters reach out all the time. And they're like, man, it's just they're they're just being honest as possible. They're like, hey, it's it's stale. It's been tough. We're yep. stuck in a, a weird weather pattern. Birds are not acting right. Ducks are being nocturnal. You know, 
geese are yep. hopping water to water, walking up, eating grass, whatever. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're, they're, they're like, it's tough. It's tough. And I'd say, hey, that's okay. Give me your best effort. Give me the best you got for three days. If it's good and we can get some content, it's good for us. It's good for you. But if we don't, we don't. That's not why we're coming. That's not why it's on the schedule. And uh, right. that's the biggest thing that I try to explain to our guys that haven't been doing it as long is like, hey, if you get the media, awesome. We love it. We want we want the media in that area. We want to help this person or this outfitter find a way to show yep. them thanks for having us. If we get them some high-quality videos or make a vlog video or get some pictures, awesome. But if we don't, if we don't even got a bird to kill to put in a dog's mouth to take a picture, so be it. It is what it is. Right. That's hunting. That's what I try to tell people. I'm like, dude, we hunt. We're we're waterfowl hunters. We're not waterfowl killers. Um, yeah. Regardless of what you see on the internet, we're we're waterfowl hunters. We we understand the aspect of the hunt. We understand the grind. We know how it works with birds. It's a wild animal. A client yeah. might come in. They expect to, you know. They expect to set the field on fire for three days, but the reality is it just don't always work like that. But well, social media and social media no is such a highlight reel anyway. And it just yeah. leads to uh, a very, what can be a false misconception about the way things are going on the daily. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that get on a roll and they're beating up on the daily. But if you think anybody, anybody is beating the brakes off of them, and shooting piles day after day after day after day after day after day after day, you, you've been fooled because it doesn't work like that. Because we've gone to all these places. I've gone to all these states. I know how it works. And don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. We we go on some damn good hunts. Lots of them. There's a lot yeah. of bad ones, too. You know? I'm sure mm-hmm. you've, you've been on plenty yourself as well. You thought it was a layup to be a banger and it total bust. But you get well, it's it. Like it's waterfowl I... hunting. Yeah, well, when I had, when you guys came out to my place, you know, I had a, we had you guys out to my cabin out in western Minnesota, and I had a guy helping me scout it, and he's like, hey, I've got three fields locked down, they are money, we are good to go. The day before you guys got there, it dropped below zero, and we went from 38,000 birds on eight different roosts to 8,000 on eight different roosts, and I'm like, shit, oh no. We are not going to shoot as many birds as I thought. And then to top it off, the farmer gave someone else dual permission on the X field. And he was hiding like an idiot and was spooking every bird that came within 500 yards of him. So we had to call an audible and run traffic on him in the field next to it. And I think we shot six birds. However, Cade and Nick and Jake Whiteman, we had such a blast together. And that's like that's what I feel like really solidified our relationship with dive bomb was just hanging out with those guys and still just like shooting the shit. You know, we shot a couple of honkers here and there, but you know, we still showed them a good time, ate great food, had so much fun, you know, and it's like everyone knows everyone who's really hunted birds knows that they are migratory birds and they're going to do whatever in the world they want to do. And you just can't control it. That's right. And Nick and Cade, every time they've mentioned the visit with Joey, it's never been about like, ah, you know, it wasn't very good or, ah, the hunting sucked. It was like something that happened like while they were there or something funny that happened. It was never, you know, never heard them say anything like, ah, well, the hunting, 
it it wasn't good. It wasn't a good hunt. It was always like, oh, you know that, you know they'll laugh about some story or something that happened, um, you know, while at your place. And Nick, I think he said something maybe on a podcast that probably by y'all standards would have been okay, yeah. but he was kind of worried about yeah. how it would be perceived by us. And he was like, hey man, um, I was kind of thinking about it, and it'd probably be good if we didn't have that on there. Oh um, yeah. Well, what he what he said was. Hey man, Cody and Asher wouldn't appreciate me doing that. I've only been working for Dive Bomb for three months at this point, and I'm going to be representing Dive Bomb in this podcast. We can't put that out. And I thought you had heard the podcast, and then I talked to you what nine months later. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know you guys did a podcast. And I was like, Nick, you dirty liar. Oh now gosh. I kind of now I kind of want to release it. That's after. funny. Now want, you you probably should. You should like backdate it and be like, <laughs> Hey Nick, it's okay. I'm I'm going to release this. Uh, but that's, that's, uh, that's funny, but it's always, it's always been about even, you know, that trip, any other trip that wasn't good. It's never about, it's just like, I'm like, how was that man? Just virgin cooperate it is what it is. But, and then they'll be like, oh, but this guy, he's great. Or all oh, his family was great or all oh, their, you know, the communication there, we went, went out to dinner. They were so much fun. Great people. It was a great visit. You know, it never comes back to like the hunting because they get it. Like they know we we're not, we're not the kind of guys that, you know, you expect to just show up and, you know, you can't even keep your gun loaded. And sometimes, yeah, like I said, it does happen like that, but that is not right. the reality. Well, well, and, and here's, here's the coolest part. When I was at Bob's with Cody and Cade and Ryan, I had Cody, Cade and Bob on our podcast and Bob asked him a question and he's like, Dude, you I feel like Dive Bomb has been the most influential brand that has done so much for other people, whether it's giving them a discount, giving them free decoys, whatever. Why are you doing this? I feel like it's not good for your company. And Cody was like, it's straight up all about relationships over anything for me. And it's just it's just such a solidification of why I'm so happy to be working with you guys because like that's important. You know, like it's, it's so important to give back to the community because you'll forever have a loyal fan base. And, you know, I just, I really dig that shit. We feel, you know, that's, that's our thing is we're, we're conservatives. We, if you can help us, we're going to try to help you. Now it, we have to see the vision for it. And, and if somebody reaches out and, I just can't see it, right? I just don't see the benefit. It's like, hey, man, you know, I we appreciate the enthusiasm, the support, but this is, uh, you know, we just, we're going to decline. Uh, but if we can see right. the vision for it, I mean, people have to keep in mind, like we're direct consumer. Everything we do, we have to do all of our own marketing. We don't carry through retail stories, sto- stories. We don't carry through retail <laughs> stories. We don't uh, carry through retail stores. We don't have anybody sending out, uh, you know, big email blasts, uh, catalogs, magazines, putting us in their fall, you know, winter edition sales, this, that, blah, blah, blah. Everything we do, we're on our own. The only people that's looking out for us is us and the people that have helped us get to this point and the people that will help us keep pushing forward. With that said, we have to see the vision um, of the benefit coming from, from whatever it is. And of course it kind of goes back to a podcast I did, um, 
with with Nick and Caden Forrest and people, you know, asking how can I get involved? How can I get involved with this industry and stuff that doesn't even necessarily apply to dive bomb, but just in general. Um, yeah. How can you make yourself more valuable? Come with a skill. Come with an idea. Um, how can how can we benefit you and how can you help us? And and that's 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 where we're at. If we can see the vision for somebody helping us. Um, we're interested and Midwest flyways. Uh, that's a very strong, strong area for us is where you guys are at. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you guys have really helped push us in that area. And some of our competitors do really well in that area as well. Uh, a lot of goose hunters, but we've got mm-hmm. a stronghold. We really do have a stronghold in that area. And I don't think it's a, a coincidence. Um, when you look at some of the people that we've got really pushing our stuff around there. Uh, right. Well, let's, we're doing let me so just well. It, yeah. Well, let me just put it this way. I didn't want to write my name. I didn't want to put Midwest flyways on our decoys until I started hunting with people. And I realized that how many people were running dive bombs in Minnesota. And I was like, okay, I need to put MWF on every <laughs> single one of our decoys because these things are going to get so mixed up. So I mean, there's a pretty strong dive bomb community in Minnesota. That's for sure. Definitely. What, um, it's good, man. What product coming from dive bomb industries are you most excited about? Goose floaters, man. Goose floaters, honker floaters. Goose floaters. And goose floaters and a goose flag. You know, before I've been wanting to create a goose flag, whether it's a triple goose flag or just one that doesn't break every three, you know, wags or however you'd say it, every three flaps. Good Lord. The amount of goose flags that I've bought and broken (laughs) Asher is, I don't, I bet you I've spent $400 on goose flags. I'm over it. It I am over it. Very, very common theme and something that we look to uh, rectify very 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 soon so we are excited about the flag i know a lot of others are very excited uh about the flag as well joey i know uh man you're in oklahoma you're guiding i'm sure it's been a long day i don't want to you know i don't want to keep you too terribly long Uh, i know you've got some work to do and get settled in down there but uh i really appreciate you taking your time to join me today yeah, man. Anytime. I've I've had a blast, man. So we we just got to meet in person, you know. We got to hunt together and have some fun. So I've hunted with Cody a couple times now. Now you and I got to hunt together. Right. So, well, we're gonna do it. I will let you run. Thank you to Midwest Flyways and yourself for your support of Dive Bomb. We uh, we greatly appreciate it. I will talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. All right, man. Thanks so All much, right, man. See you later. Later. Bye. Joey Vasallo, Midwest Flyways. Looking forward to meeting Joey in person soon. He's a fun guy, isn't he? Uh, Hope everyone is having a great 2021 so far. We have just released our first run of vlog style videos. Please go check out our YouTube channel and check them out and let us know what you think about them. Not a lot of season left for many of you. Shoot straight and enjoy your time out there. Until next time, y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.